Amen. Amen. Good to see you all. You're almost as good looking tonight as you were Sunday. Now, you're better. Better looking. By the way, uh, you all ordered so many Bibles that the Bibles are going to come in two separate shipments. That's how many Bibles you guys ordered. Tonight's the last night. If you would like to order a net Bible, please see my wife. She places the order tomorrow. So we're going to have lots of FedEx or UPS trucks showing up at our house uh, in a little bit of time. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 tonight. We want to talk about overcoming discouragement in our life. Listen, all of us at times in our Christian life, and especially if we're ministering or trying to serve the Lord, we're going to get discouraged at times. But God is, is wanting to give us encouragement and, and wanting us to get to the point through our spiritual growth where those seasons or times of discouragement come less and less often and where they don't last as long as they used to. Notice in verse 1 of 2 Corinthians 4, Paul says, Therefore, since we have this ministry, just as God has shown us mercy, we do not become discouraged. The word means to be defeated. God doesn't want His people ever to be defeated, even in ministry, as challenging and as difficult as it is. Another interesting thing about this word in the Greek language is it means to become spiritless. In fact, it's the same word that is used over in verse 16 of chapter 4, where Paul says, therefore, we do not despair. Same thing. We do not become spiritless. Now, the Bible here isn't teaching that somehow by being discouraged that we lose the Holy Spirit. It's small s. It, what it means, though, is this. The Holy Spirit is given to us by God to indwell us in order to energize, give us life and vitality as we live the Christian life and especially as we minister. And so there's certain things that, that we can do or places where we can get where we begin to lose, uh, even as we talked about Sunday, our motivation. We can begin to slack off. We can begin to become wearied and exhausted physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And we can become spiritless and become defeated. And so in this passage tonight, Paul's going to remind us of some things to try to either get us out of that defeated, discouraged state of despair that we may find ourselves in, or prevent us from getting there, or, again, giving us truth that if you know of another Christian that has become or is becoming discouraged and spiritless in their Christian life and ministry, this would be a great chapter to share with them. Because in this chapter... Paul's going to share with us four things that can lead to discouragement in our life and in our ministry as Christians. Four things. The first thing is that pride can lead to discouragement. Yes, pride. You see, in being a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to be humble. And yet, many times in ministry and serving the Lord... We can actually, through service and ministry, 
become prideful. To where serving and ministry can become more about us than about God and about others. And when we are serving and ministering for the Lord and it becomes more about us than it does about God and others, we will begin to get discouraged. Because we, the Holy Spirit will not be producing that life and vitality in our life when we get lifted up in pride. God rejects the proud. He gives grace to the humble. And one of the things then Paul wants to remind us of, even back in verse 1, is this. He says, therefore, since we have this ministry, just as God has shown us mercy, we do not become discouraged. See, we have to remember that when God calls us and invites us to serve Him, to minister for Him, as we talked about last week, to make an impact in other people's lives, allowing Him to work through us, that's a privilege. It, it's not like God needs us. It's not like we get to a point where we deserve it or earn it. It is a gift of God that He allows us to be His ambassadors and representatives. And therefore, we should never get to the point, even in any service or ministry for Christ, where we get too self-important. And yet, I've shared with you before, in my 29 years of ministry experience, I've run into some Christians who've come into church, and it's almost like, I'm here now, the church can be at rest. You know, I'm now in your midst, and I'm here to bless and like, what did we ever do before they came along? And, I, and listen, we're all gifts to the church. I get, and we all have gifts to share, and, and we are all part of the body. But we better be careful that in serving in ministry, even, that we don't get lifted up in pride, and where even in service and ministry, it becomes more about us than it does about others and about God. And let me show you how many times throughout this chapter, Paul reminds the Corinthians and us of this. Notice in verse 5 of chapter 4, Paul says, For we do not proclaim ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your slaves... For Jesus' sake. The word slaves there means devoted servants. So Paul's saying in verse 5, Look, it's not about me. It's about promoting and proclaiming Jesus. And it's not about me. I'm here to serve you. It's about you. It's not about me. Then notice what he says in verse 11. For we who are alive are constantly being handed over to death for Jesus' sake. So that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our mortal body. As a result, notice what he says in verse 12. Death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. In other words, we're going to get to this in a moment, but what Paul's basically saying is that all, the, all that we go through and how we are being negatively affected is actually going to be a positive spiritually to you. So therefore, Paul says, when we serve and minister for the Lord, it can't be about us. Because there may be times where God takes you and I through a trial or suffering or pain or whatever in order actually to bless someone else. It doesn't... It, 
You know, that, that's where when we even maybe go through trial or suffering, we may be totally skewed whenever we start to go, wonder why God's allowing this in my life. It may not have anything to do with you or me. God may be allowing that death, if you will, to work in your body so that life, His life, can be working in some other person's body. And then notice in verse 16, or I'm sorry, in verse 15 of chapter 4, Paul again says, For all these things are for my sake. No. All these things are for your sake. So that the grace that is including more and more people may cause thanksgiving to increase to the glory of God. It's all about God. It's all about others. So Paul is saying in this chapter, here's the problem we have as Christians. When our life begins to become self-focused, when our ministry and our service becomes more about how it affects us, and how we feel and all that than it does about giving God glory and about living for others and making sure that it's about others rather than us, then the Spirit is going to continue to give us that life and vitality and energy and all of that. But when we get lifted up in pride and when we make it about us, we're going to begin to experience discouragement. Because that's not the way God designed the Christian life or service and ministry to be. It's about learning to lay our lives down for others. So we all have to sort of step back and go, if I'm in ministry right now, how much of my ministry is focused really on others and making sure that, that others are, are, are getting it and, and being impacted by it? Or is it more about me and how it affects me and how it makes me feel? And that's why Paul says, we've got to get to the place where it's all for your sakes. It's all for your sake so that more and more people will start giving God thanks and he'll get more and more glory for it. Paul says we proclaim Jesus Christ, not ourselves. So much ministry and service today in the name of God is really in the name of self-promotion. Promoting self, not God. And Paul says maybe that's one of the reasons why there's a lot of Christians out there who are discouraged in their life and in their ministry. Because somewhere along the line, and we're all susceptible to this, pride has crept in. And now what I'm doing for the Lord is more about me than it is about God and about others. Secondly, Paul also says in the first six verses of this chapter that this is something else that leads to discouragement. When we seek to control what we cannot control, that's going to lead to discouragement. And Paul sets it in the context of ministry. Let me start again in verse 1. He says, therefore, since we have this ministry, just as God has shown us mercy, we do not become discouraged. But we have rejected shameful hidden deeds, not behaving with deceptiveness or distorting the word of God, but by open proclamation of the truth, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience before God. Let me stop there. Here's what Paul's saying. 
ministry and service linked to this pride thing can then begin to turn to where we become results-oriented. We have to start getting affirmation. And, and we need to see that there's positive response. And if we don't do that because of pride and we're seeking to control things that we can't control, what we try to do, what, what happened even in Paul's day is, say, the person who was speaking for God stopped proclaiming the truth because too many people weren't listening to the truth. Too many people weren't, didn't want to hear the truth. So they began, like they do today, to water down the message and, and, and distort the word and, and make it more palatable so more and more people will come. And Paul says, first of all, that's not up to us. We're not, see, God doesn't want us to control what we can't control. And the results and the response of others to our ministry and to our life isn't up to us. It's God. Paul said, I plant, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. It's God who causes things to grow. And yet man, seeking to control things, has gotten to a point throughout history where if people don't like, you know, what I'm doing for God, then I'm going to change it to make it more acceptable. And Paul said, no, here's the problem with that. It's only the truth that can set people free. So if the church, if pastors stop teaching the truth because somehow they think they're going to offend somebody or they're not going to get as big enough crowd if they really go Bible heavy... Because it's not about the truth anymore. It's about making sure we have big crowds and a big response because we're seeking to control what God never wanted us to control. I've shared this with you before. Noah was a success in God's eyes. And yet Noah never got one person to enter the ark except his own family. Yet he's in the hall of fame of faith. It's not about how many people we can get to respond to the truth. God just simply says, just tell them the truth openly. Openly proclaim the truth. And Paul said, that's what we did. Because see, remember going back to the background of 2 Corinthians, Paul was being criticized because he didn't have a big crowd. He wasn't drawing big crowds. And people were under, trying to undermine his ministry, saying, well, if, if he was really of God, and if he was really doing it right, more people would be buying into what Paul was selling. And that's why Paul says what he does. That's why he says, we're not going to behave with deceptiveness. We're not going to distort the word of God just to get more people to buy into it. We're going to continue to openly proclaim the word of God, because it's not about trying to control what we can't control. Which is why many people, Christians, get discouraged in ministry and even sharing their faith and evangelizing. 
Because going back to last week and what Paul's going to say again tonight is when we face rejection or when people don't want to buy into that response, somehow we go that we're the failure. Or, you know, so we're going to try to change things and make it more palatable. And Paul says there's so many bigger things happening here. That's why he goes on to say in verse 3, even if our gospel is veiled, and there's nothing wrong with the gospel. It's the power of God to salvation. Amen? So there's nothing wrong with the message. It's not deficient. Yet many will reject. In fact, the majority of humanity will reject the gospel. Does that mean somehow God is powerless or the gospel is powerless? No. There's other things at work here. And God doesn't expect us to control what we can't control. So Paul goes on to say, among whom the God of this age, the only time Satan is called the God of this age in the Bible, has blinded the minds of those who do not believe so that they would not see the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God. There's a lot of spiritual warfare and darkness going on here, folks. And we can't control that. God doesn't expect us to. So don't get discouraged. Don't lose heart. Don't become spiritless. Again, going back to Sunday's message, this isn't a playground. The Christian life's a battleground and we're in a fight. But don't get discouraged because of the warfare. Don't get discouraged because the God of this age is blinding people's minds. It's all a work of God anyway, see? It's all, all God asks us to do is to share the message, to plant the seed, to sow the gospel, to give out His Word. We have no control over the heart that hears it, how receptive and open that heart is, and we, have, we can't produce only what God can produce in someone's life anyway, which is why Paul then goes on to say, we do not proclaim ourselves, but Jesus Christ, because only Jesus Christ can save. Only Jesus Christ can deliver. Only Jesus Christ can do in someone's life what no, we, none of us can do. We can't control that. But here it is, verse 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness. Going back to the very creation. Everything was dark. And God, in His creative form, said, let there be light. And there was light. Folks, that's the only way light can come into a person. It's the work of God. It's not us. We're instruments. We're channels. But we can't produce that light in someone else's life. That's the work of God. So we've got to stop trying to control what we can't control. That's going to lead to discouragement. God who said, let the light shine out of darkness is the one who shined in our hearts. To give us the light of the glorious knowledge of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's God who shines. Only God can give that light. And only God will give that light, as we talked about last Tuesday, whenever they're willing to turn to the Lord. Whenever they're willing and want to change. Then the light comes into their life. We, but we can't do that. We can't control that. And so many Christians throughout their life in ministry, they get discouraged and defeated and become spiritless because somewhere along the line, 
Living for Christ and serving has become more about them than it has about God and others. And somewhere along the line, they're trying to control the response and and all these things that are totally out of our control. In a sense, it's almost like we're trying to become God and we can't, never. Only God can change a heart. Only God can bring spiritual life. We are simply humble servants. Sent to share and proclaim Jesus. So then in verse 7 through verse 16, Paul gives the next thing that can lead to discouragement. Not only when we're lifted up in pride, not only when we seek to control what we can't control, but when we start to focus on externals rather than on the internal. When we start to focus on the externals, rather than the internal, we are going to become discouraged. For this reason, notice in verse 7, Paul says, we have this treasure, but we have it in clay jars. The true treasure of our life is on the inside where nothing or no one can touch. Please remember that. What our true treasure is. Our true treasure is inside of us. And nothing or no one can touch that true treasure. But why does God place His treasure, His life, inside of such a fragile earthen vessel? Why? Well, Paul answers it. So that the extraordinary, the word means beyond, exceeding any other, power belongs to God and does not come from us. See, this goes along with it, but if you and I try to live the Christian life in our own power and strength rather than living it by God's power and strength, we're going to become discouraged. Because we're, we're starting to focus on externals rather than the internal. That's why Paul says this in verse 8. We are experiencing trouble on every side. The word trouble here is a word I've talked to you about before. It means to be pressed like grapes. Paul says, I feel pressed like a grape on every side. But notice what he says. We're not crushed. We're not crushed grapes. We're squeezed, but we're not crushed. Then he goes on to say, we're perplexed. The word means at a loss. But he says, but we're not driven to despair. That word means to be utterly or completely at a loss. (laughs) In other words, Paul says, there's going to be times in the Christian life where you feel squeezed, but you'll never be crushed. There's going to be times in your Christian life where you, as a human being, obviously, with limited resources and limited perspective and all of that, are going to be at a loss. But because you have God, you're never utterly or completely at a loss. And then he goes on to say, we are persecuted. The word means to be harassed or mistreated. But we're not abandoned. We're never forsaken or deserted. God, at least, is always with us. Even if everyone else turns their back on us. God says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And we are knocked down. It's a wrestling term that Paul was using. It literally meant to be thrown to the ground like in a wrestling match. 
But notice what he says, but we're not destroyed. The word literally means to be pinned to the matter, counted out. I might have gotten thrown down, Paul says. But they never counted me out. With God's help, I was always able to get up before the count of ten. And the enemy never pinned me. He might have thrown me off balance. He might have thrown me to the ground, but he never pinned me to the mat. And again, Paul's, Paul's sharing his own personal testimony because he says, do you see in my life in ministry, <laughs> if I focused on the externals and how I was being affected externally, I'd get pretty discouraged, Paul said. But I realize that the true treasure that God has given me in my life can't be touched by any human being or anything that I go through externally. That's why Paul goes on to say in verse 10, we as Christians might always be carrying around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our body. See, what you may be going through, pain, suffering, persecution, being thrown to the ground, all of that is only because that inside of you is that true treasure. And maybe it's only when you and I go through those times can God's true treasure shine out through our life so that others can see. We always want to protect the external. The reason why God gave us the treasure in the fragile earthen vessel is so that that fragile earthen vessel, in a sense, could literally be cracked open so that His light and life could shine through us. And sometimes that's the best and only way it can. Sometimes the most effective witness we ever have is when we're going through hard times. That's when God's light and life really can shine through. Not when things are going well. That's why he goes on to say in verse 11, we, are, we who are alive are constantly being handed over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the spiritual life of Jesus may also be made visible in our mortal body. As a result, again, Paul says, death may be at work in us, but life is at work in you. I wrote this note in my Bible for myself. If you like it, you may write it too, obviously. I put here, the vulnerability of what is less valuable is used to expose what is most valuable. That's what Paul's saying. The vulnerability of what is less valuable, our body, anything externally, is used by God to expose to others what is most valuable, the life of Jesus, the true treasure that resides within us. And that's why if you and I as Christians live our Christian life and serve and minister for the Lord, and we're so focused on the externals, it's always about the externals rather than the true treasure on the inside, the internals. We're going to get discouraged because life is going to be filled with affliction and pain and suffering. And we're going to be pressed like grapes at times. And we're going to be persecuted. And we're going to be perplexed at times. And we're going to be knocked down at times. And if we don't begin to realize as Christians that all the while God is using all of that to expose the true treasure, then we're going to get discouraged and become spiritless. Paul then goes on in verse 13 to say, but since we have the same spirit of faith 
as that's shown in what has been written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe, and therefore we also speak. We do so because we know that the one who raised up Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will bring us with you into his presence. For all these things are for your sake, so that the grace that is including more and more people may cause thanksgiving to increase to the glory of God. Therefore, Paul says in verse 16, we do not despair. We do not become discouraged. We do not become spiritless. We do not become wearied and exhausted. Even if our physical body is wearing away, our inner person is being renewed day by day. The word renewed means growing stronger. So here's the deal. Paul says... If we as Christians have the perspective that it's more about the externals than it is the internal, we're going to get discouraged too just by the fact of growing old. Because <laughs> the older we get, we're going to go, man, my body's wearing away. It's going from worse to worse. That's what the word means, by the way, wearing away. And so if our value... If our priority is external rather than internal, as we even get older as a Christian, instead of getting stronger and and getting more spiritual and and becoming more joyful and and more pleasant, we're going to get more cranky and crabby. (laughs) Because our focus is going to be on our external body that is going to continue to wear away rather than the focus on the fact that I can... can live until I die getting stronger with what really matters. By the way, this is a good time to say this. Next week, next week in chapter 5, the first 10 verses, we're going to talk about death. Now, God doesn't answer all the questions we have about death, but 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the first 10 verses, is one of the most definitive passages in the Bible on death. And it answers a lot of questions. So I stop here to say this. It's sort of a promotion, too, and a commercial. If you know of someone, anyone, that you think this could really be an encouragement to them because death is an area where they might struggle or have a lot of questions, I'd encourage you to get the word out and invite him to come with you next week. Because the first 10 verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 does give us a lot of truth and a lot of encouragement with respect to death and what happens to us when we die. So, Paul says, we can't make it about externals because God uses suffering in our life to get the real treasure out. In fact, Paul even says this at the beginning of verse 17. Our momentary light suffering is producing something. It's productive. It's purposeful for the Christian. Why does God allow us to go through these things? Because it's not about the external body that's wearing away anyway and that we need to lay down so that we can get a glorified body. It's about the true treasure that's inside of this fragile earthen vessel. And therefore, Paul says, we've got to focus on the internal, 
that will grow stronger every day. The real life, the real treasure. And that's what's got to be our focus. Because if our focus gets off that and gets on external things, throughout our Christian life and ministry and service, we're going to get discouraged. We're going to get discouraged. We're going to wonder why I'm trying to serve the Lord and it seems like I have to go through all these trials. Instead of looking at it, that, that, like, the reason I'm going through these trials is so the true treasure can shine through me and others can see. That's why. But see, we're, we're even as Christians, we become very physically focused rather than spiritually focused. Our priority many times is the physical rather than the spiritual. And I'll tell you why, why we know that. <laughs> because if you ever were part of a local church and you did a prayer list, you know where I'm going with this, 90% of the prayer requests on a church's or Christian's prayer list is always physical needs. And I'm not downplaying physical But Paul is saying when our focus becomes more about the physical than it does the spiritual, we're going to get discouraged. And finally, in the last two verses, Paul says we're also going to become discouraged when our life focus is more about the temporal than it is the eternal. When our life focus is more about temporary things than eternal things. Because Paul says our momentary means temporary, Light, less than, suffering, is producing, it's achieving, it's accomplishing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. A couple things. First of all, Paul is saying, as he links this with the previous principle, that God allows the suffering Because the suffering is actually even not only benefiting others because they can see the light that's the true treasure in my life, but because God then is able to use me more, it's producing something for me eternally that I'll be able to wear and weigh around that's far greater than any suffering I will go through here on earth. And notice in verse 17, in no way is Paul or God minimizing the suffering we go through on earth. He's not doing that. God understands we can go through as human beings unbelievable suffering. But what God through Paul is saying is this. If you put your suffering in life on a scale and you compare it, Paul says, to the glory, the elevated state, the glorious condition that awaits you for all of eternity, Paul says there's no comparison. There's absolutely no comparison. Paul says you could put all the, the suffering that you've ever suffered on one side, and then he, he'd throw a brick on there too. He says it still in no way is going to compare to what awaits you. But see, if our focus in our life and ministry begins to be what we're experiencing now, if we get caught up in the moment, If we get caught up in the circumstances of life and we forget what awaits us, we're going to get discouraged. We're not going to be able to move past where we are presently 
because our hope isn't strong enough to carry us past what we're experiencing to what awaits us. And Paul says, that's why as a Christian, I've got to learn to focus on what's beyond, what God is going to provide, what I've got to look forward to, rather than just looking at the temporal things of this earth and this life. For he says in verse 18, because we are not looking. The word look is an important word. It's where I got the concept of focus, because it means not just to focus, but to direct one's attention to, or literally to mark. In other words, it's if I go, here's the bullseye, here's my mark, here's what I'm shooting for. I'm putting that mark there. Paul says that's what the word looking means. So Paul says, because we are not looking at what can be seen, but at what cannot be seen. For what can be seen is temporary. It only endures for a little while. But what cannot be seen is eternal. It is everlasting. It is without end. And many Christians today are suffering from discouragement because this temporal earthly life and all that comes with it has become more important and more of the focus in their life than what is awaiting them in glory. And because of that, They're discouraged. Because all these things Paul has shared with us tonight, whether it's pride or seeking to control the things we can't control or focusing on externals rather than internals and temporal things rather than eternal things, only leads to human futility. Never fulfillment. Never fulfillment. The life of fulfillment is just the opposite. It's a life of humility rather than pride. It's a life of faith and surrender and releasing things to God that I can't control. It's a life that's focused on the internal rather than the external. And it's a life that's focused on the eternal rather than the temporal. That's the life that brings fulfillment. The other brings futility. No matter how hard a Christian or a human being tries to find fulfillment in that life, they never will. Which is why so many human beings, including Christians, are suffering from discouragement tonight. They're in a bad state, a state of despair and spiritless. And folks, we're not here to beat anybody up over the head with this. But the only way any of us can be free from discouragement is to face the truth. Jesus said, the truth is the only thing that can set you free. And so if we're not willing to openly proclaim the truth, then nothing will ever happen. It's only when we're willing to be open to the truth and let God's truth change us can our discouragement be changed into fulfillment. Let's pray. As we pray tonight, I want to specifically pray for maybe some in this room who are discouraged tonight. And let me say, (laughs) I've been there with you many times. 
many, many times in my life I have found myself discouraged. I know what that feels like. And it's not a good place to be. To feel spiritless, to feel weighed down and weary, to not have that spiritual energy and vitality, it's not fun. But we've all been there. And it's not about coming along and kicking each other when we're down like that. It's about putting our arms around each other and saying, how can I help? It's about offering to pray for one another. It's about just being there for each other and knowing that while I am discouraged, I'm not going to go through this alone. I've got someone else right now who may not be discouraged, who's willing to walk through this season with me. And so tonight, if you're here tonight and you are discouraged in your Christian life or ministry, I want to pray for you tonight. And I want you to know that God, just like He did with Elijah and other servants down through history, is there. He is the God of all encouragement. He is the God of all comfort. And He will come into your life and encourage you. And just like with Elijah, He won't come in the wind or the the storm, He will come in that still, small voice and minister to you as only God can. And His presence in your life through the Holy Spirit and His encouraging Word will encourage you. Receive His encouragement beginning tonight. Allow Him to begin to bring that spirit, if you will, back into your life. And be patient. You're not going to maybe get to where you were overnight. It might take a few days or even a few weeks. But just keep walking with Him every day and allowing Him to bring you out of your discouragement. He can do what no counselor, no one else can do. Let Him be your encouragement. And then, for all of us here tonight, I usually don't ask you all this, but I would really like to ask you all to pass this message along to someone, to get the word out, whether it's you sitting down with the notes you've taken or just what you've heard tonight and saying, hey, I'd like to share something with you tonight, tomorrow, sometime this week, that maybe you don't even know who that is yet, but you might begin to even say, God, give me somebody tonight. Lay, lay a person's name or face on my heart or in my mind that I could get with in the next few days or even few weeks to where I know they're discouraged. I know they're not in a good place. Maybe they've even formally reached out, but 
Maybe I didn't even know what to say or what to do, but God, sometimes it's just about us being there with somebody. Sometimes it's not about us saying necessarily anything, but just being there for them. Sometimes it's just about putting our arms around them. Sometimes it's just about praying with them. But sometimes, Lord, it may be, it may be necessary for us to just share some truth. Maybe we just need to share some truth. Because that truth is what's really going to set them free from the discouragement that they're in. So give us wisdom, Lord, to know how to pass this truth along. How to share what you've shared with us tonight, Lord, with someone else. So that it doesn't just stay with us. Because, Lord, there's not a shortage of people who are discouraged around us tonight. There's discouragement all over this planet. And there's discouragement all over the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. In every place, Christians are discouraged. Lord, help us to rise out of our discouragement with your empowerment and your enablement. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all for being here tonight. We'll see you on the